everyone. Welcome back to the podcast. I'm Bree. And I'm Alex. And this is the Damn Shong Podcast for maybe not much longer. Maybe not too much longer. We may be, uh, we are coming up to a rebrand. We're not sure on the specific timing of it. Yeah. There, uh, in a previous podcast episode, we told people to look for the hidden account that we've created for our new brand one person yeah. found it i think literally <laughs> the day we posted yeah and uh so he got a uh, $25, $25 starbucks gift card, gift card. Yep, that's, yeah that's pretty fun but yeah so we're gonna be uh rebranding the podcast to align with our um our new project our new big yeah. app i mean i don't even know what to call it it's I honestly want to say business because I feel like it's gonna be so much more than an app, but I'm happy to be. say that because it's not that yet. Like it's really just well, the app. Yeah, so. but then but then I brought you into the, the the coaching software, which we're putting the umbrella under, you know, over yeah. all that. So it definitely yeah. is a business that's like once you yes. saw that, it was fun seeing your reaction to that coaching software because you hadn't it, seen it. You just heard about what I was talking about. It's so cool. It's, it's so, so freaking cool. I think it'll revolutionize. I mean, this is obviously a really big statement, but I think it actually will revolutionize the way coaches interact with clients oh, and like 100%. Their, their coaching capabilities. Yeah. So yeah. excited for yeah. that. Alex was explaining it to me and he's like, you just don't seem excited. And I was like, <laughs> well, you're, you're explaining something to me that I can't visually see. Like I'm trying to put pieces together in my head. And so I'm getting as excited as I can through my imagination of what I understand you're telling me. And then he showed me and my mouth just dropped. I was like, now you see, I'm really excited. So yeah. it was, it was wicked. It's cool. Yeah. It's yeah, cool totally. seeing that come together and then the app come together as well. So yeah. Yeah, uh, the two projects to look out for for you guys is uh, for the coaches out there. We have the coaching software, which we'll be unveiling maybe end of year, maybe sometime next year in 2024. Um, yeah. And then our app, which is for the you know average person, I guess. I, I don't yeah. want to say clients necessarily because it's not like it's I mean, one-on-one technically, clients. Technically, but... coaches could use it too. Sure. You know what yeah, I mean? It's really anyone sure. that has a, has a goal. Yep you know, and this is going to help guide you to that goal. So workouts, nutrition, education, self check-ins, and yep. so much more. There'll be yep. habit building, you know, consistency calendar, all that is all going to yep. be in the app. So really excited to do that. But that's, uh, I guess we're, we're, that's our sponsorship <laughs> plug real quick. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, you want to get into the pod now? Yeah. So we are talking about fitness myths today and we were going to do it like the top five, but then as we got into it, we're like, there's just so many that we could tackle. And like, wh why do a top five? Like, yeah. I think it's more so just kind of clickbaity. And I'm like, I'm, I'm don't care about the clickbait. I care about, care about getting the best information out there. And so, mm -hmm. um, we have a long list. I didn't count them, but I think it's like 12 ish. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. 12 wow. on the money. Wow. Nice wow. guess. Wow. Yeah. I'm just spot on. You know, after yeah, eyeballing are. tracking for so many, you know, yeah. being able to eyeball tracking, you just know how to eyeball for sure. amounts of anything nowadays. I, so. I'm about 80% confident you could look at a brick house and tell me how many bricks it had because probably. of your tracking capabilities. Honestly, <laughs> probably. <laughs> Yeah, those um, those like count the beans in a jar. I know I've you've crushed those, every one of those. <laughs> well, I will say I've done those quite a handful of times and I never get close. So. No, me neither. It's, it's different though when you can't see like inside, like I can see the totality of this list, but like when it, they make it deceptive, <laughs> you know what I mean? They make it deceptive. So, but yeah, anyways. All right, let's get um, into it. Okay. Yeah. Actually, I say do you want to, do you want to talk about, um, how moving into the house has been? Give sure. I mean, if you're update. watching the YouTube video, you can see I'm in a whole new 
room. It's really echoey. So I don't know what the audio is going to sound like. So if you're listening to this episode and you're like, wow, Brie sounds terrible. Just please be patient. We are, <laughs> we're you know, buying a home. For the rug. <laughs> Do what? I said we're crowdfunding for a rug for you. <laughs> yes. I mean, I was talking to Alex before we started this episode. I was like, dude, buying a house just bleeds you money. And like, I, people hear that we're okay financially. Like we've planned for all this, but it's just like you buy one thing and then four more things come with that, that you forget about. And so yeah. Alex was like, you should just get a rug. I'm like, I really don't want to have to buy one more thing. <laughs> I was like, I buy a rug. I need to buy a little thing so it doesn't slip around or whatever. And it's mm-hmm. just like, you know, one more thing. So it's just like, I don't know, but I honestly probably, when I listen back to this, that might be my determining factor. If I, if that's a must have right now, because we talking right now, this echo is just, I can't stand it. So it's a must have, you need to yeah. soften up the room a little bit. Yeah. So if yeah. anyways, if you guys do notice the echo, I apologize. Please know it will be gone eventually. So how's your, yeah, no, moving house is good. I think the only thing that was like the big thing that happened to me with moving is, so we moved all of our breakable stuff on like Sunday, the stuff we just didn't want movers to touch. And then on Monday was our official move day. Sage and I were on our feet for 18 hours straight. We took one 30 minute lunch break. My back and my feet were screaming at me at like hour 12. And I was like, no, I have to get everything unpacked. I'm just one of those people where I'm like, I don't want to do this again. I want to get everything unpacked. I don't have to touch it again. And plus it was like, we had this one day that we were moving. Cause right after that, like I get back to work and I have to find time. It's just like, no, I have all Monday. Let's just do it. I paid for it all last week. I was so tired. My workout sucked. Like every morning I woke up, felt like I was a brick trying to get out of bed. I, it took me a long time to recover from that. So that's kind of my lesson learned. I still don't have any regrets. So I love moving. I don't know what it is. I just like, I don't know, man. I just like, I'm like a, I'm like a sled dog. Like I just love doing the work. Like I love being busy. That's probably why. Yeah. Yeah. I like, there's like a mission and like, nobody's going to beat me to like, I'm going to finish the mission like every single time. Not a military guy. That sounds like I'm a military guy, but like, it's just. But you, you're, you're, if you were a breed of dog, you'd be a working breed where they like have to have a task. They can get bored. Like, you know, you like a mission you like to do and then you want to spend that time doing it. So yeah, I don't, I don't stop the other day. I was like, oh yeah, I'm going to play uh, VR virtual reality on my PlayStation. Yeah. And, uh, Maddie, it was, it was yesterday and, uh, Maddie's like, oh, how fun. Yeah. Enjoy. Enjoy. She went shopping and I was like, yeah, I'm going to like relax like six hours had gone by I'm pacing around like frantically working on my phone she's like have you like sat down at all have yeah. you done anything I was like no I have not I've been yeah. working this whole time yeah like, but that's the way it goes also for me when I find the motivation to do something I'm going to capitalize on that because like if I feel like unpacking I just need to keep going because what's going to happen is I'm going to stop packing and take a break. And then tomorrow I'm not going to feel like it. I'm going to have to push myself to do it anyway. So it's like when that snowball gets rolling, I just want to keep the snowball rolling. I don't want to stop it. And so I think that's part of me too, is like when I get on a roll with something, like I'm going to have days when I work that I'll work like a 15 hour day, but it's because I'm really in the headspace for like maybe content creating or something. And I just don't want to stop, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I get that. I, I I mean, my, my, (laughs) I think I have like a pretty, I don't know if it's like messed up necessarily, but my relationship with my own brain and body is a little bit twisted where I'm like, 
what my brain's going to tell me I to fucking quit. Are you fucking kidding me? No way. <laughs> yeah. Literally my body's telling me to stop. Fuck my body. Like yeah. I will just attack constantly yeah. because I get like, I don't know. I it, like just conquer your inner bitch. You know what I mean? Like I know yeah. I'm being really vulgar right now, but like yeah. that's like, that's my inner monologue is like yeah. what you're going to tell yourself. You can't do something. Grow the fuck yeah. up. Like <laughs> get hard. Are you kidding me? Yeah, know. I'm definitely a little bit different. Um, but mine's more of a like, I, do, I can't stop. I'm on the motion, right? I like a body motion, staying in motion. I, the second I stop, I won't be able to get back up. Yeah. Like I've got to keep going kind of thing. So I feel that. Anyway, but, uh, no. fun, fun little tangent there. You want to, yeah. you want to get into it now? Yeah, we'll get into it. So the first one that we have is eating late at night leads to weight gain. Do you want me to kind of start us off here? Or do you want to start us off? You got I'll it. I'll start off. So our first one we have here is eating late at night leads to weight gained. So first of all, this is a big fat myth. If you eat at 11 o'clock, if you eat at 9 PM, if you eat at 4 AM, that does not lead to weight gain. What leads to weight gain is an overconsumption of calories and it doesn't matter what time that you eat the food. Now, the, I always, if you've been listening to podcasts for a while, I always like to make analogies. It's like, if you're trying to save money, whether you save money at five, if save $5 not going to Starbucks or save $5 not going to Chick-fil-A for dinner, you still save $5. It doesn't matter when you decide to not spend $5, it all comes down to saving money. And so the same thing applies to food. Yes, yeah, sure. You can make the argument of like, okay, if I eat really late at night, my body's not going to use it. And so it's going to sit there and then turn into fat. Okay, sure. Let's just, let's go down that hole of, let's just say that's potentially maybe happening. You're going to wake up in the morning and your body needs that energy. And where's it going to pull from? It's going to pull from the food that's sitting in your stomach, or let's say your body decided to deposit its fat. It's going to go right into those fat storage and pull it out for energy. So outside of a calorie surplus, it does not matter what time you're eating and consuming your food. Yeah. In terms of, in terms of weight, I think there's a little bit of nuance here with like the protein intake. Um, and so I, you know, I don't even know if we necessarily want to cover that, but, um, protein intake timing is a little bit different than just like general calorie intake timing. But I right. will say that also that like, if you enjoy eating late at night, do your thing. Do yeah. your thing. Feel free to eat late yeah. at night. I have ice cream before bed because of the Ninja Creamy now, basically yeah. every single night. Like yeah. basic, that or popcorn, basic, maybe sometimes both, basically every single night. And it's like, yeah. I'm fine because of it. Some people might experience a little bit of indigestion if they eat too late at night right or something here. like that. So it's like, yep. it, this is not a blanket statement, but in terms of like weight gain because you're eating later, nah, get that out of your head. I do want you to touch on the protein just because you mentioned it. Cause someone could have heard and be like, wait, what is he talking about? The protein, uh, like kind of freaking out a little bit. So go into the protein part. Yeah, sure. So, um, how much all the way? Well, I just want to, I feel like the protein part is a little bit separate from this. So I do it want is. you to go all the way, but I'll just, I'll preface this in saying it, when we say weight gain, we're talking about fat gain. So yep. eating, yep. eating late at night will not put on fat. And so yep. if, we, if we're like, okay, we're basically talking about timing of food. If we want to continue on the conversation of timing of food, there are occasionally sometimes where timing of food can come in handy and that's protein. And so yep. I'll let you kind of dive into from there. Yeah. Protein and like pre slash peri slash post-workout um, timing. Like you, yeah. you wouldn't want to eat a meal really high in fats and fibers like 10 minutes before a workout just because digestion will be slow. And so you might just get a little bit of, you know, upset belly from yeah. that. So okay. that's something to keep in mind. And then protein intake. Yeah. I mean, ideally we try to... In if somebody was having like a hundred grams of protein, that's their daily target. And they were getting that all in one meal at noon, let's say 
they would get better muscle growth outcomes over the course of you know months, years, et cetera, if they were able to split that intake into three to four meals. So yes. outside of that, I wouldn't worry about timing too much. I personally kind of fall into the camp of it's probably a good idea to get protein in sometime in the morning. So if you yeah. are a uh, intermittent faster, maybe try a modified intermittent fast where you just have like a protein shake early in the morning. Right. Technically that does break your fast, but there's intermittent fasting as a whole is just a way to control, you know, calorie intake and it doesn't work for some people does work for others. But anyways, that's a whole nother topic that yeah. I don't necessarily want to get into. I was going to get into like leucine threshold and like protein timing. I think we just like need that, a whole separate podcast. I think that's a whole separate this. podcast yeah, for that. So podcast. Yeah. Let's wrap it up there on that yeah. part. Yeah. So all that to say, wrapping that up, doesn't matter what time you eat as far as fat loss or fat gain, whatever. Um, when it comes to protein, it's better to space it out. However, I always like to add this little asterisk. If you are already struggling to hit a protein goal and now you feel like we've added another task of trying to split it up like equally or split it up better throughout your day, don't worry about it. But if you're, if hitting protein for you is relatively easy, then you can start dialing into that and add that to your like, okay, if I want to just prioritize and make muscle growth a little bit more optimal, let me try to get space on my protein a little bit better. So yep. total intake is always more, more important than timing. Yeah, um, totally. I, there was something else I was going to say on that, but I'm, I'm going to leave it. I'm going to leave it. Okay. Okay. Um, next one, static stretching before exercise prevents, I put energy, but injury, I think is what I meant to put <laughs> static stretching before exercise prevents injury is the myth here. I'll let you dive into that one. Cause I think sure. that's the one that you and, put on here. And, and also let me just say that static stretching as a whole, man, I'm going to be persecuted for this. It is overrated. Static stretching yeah, is so overrated. There are people in their 40s, 50s and beyond that are like, oh, I've lost my mobility. I'm not, you know, as mobile as I was when a toddler, which like, yeah, duh, yeah. but um, it's <sighs> static stretching. Let's say we're doing touching our toes, right? We're sitting on the ground. We're reaching forward, touching our toes, stretching our hamstrings, right? You can do that, but with dumbbells in your hand. Right with it's a stiff leg deadlift yeah with a stiff like a yeah. stiff leg deadlift which will really lengthen the hamstrings or a seated leg curl or something like that like you can do that but you can get the benefits of resistance training and static stretching combined so static right. stretching doesn't do anything it doesn't lengthen the muscle it desensitizes or i should say yeah i should say it desensitizes yeah, like your pain yep. Yep. it desensitizes mm -hmm. you to getting into that position it increases your pain tolerance essentially Correct. um to getting into that position so there are no I can't see many reasons that somebody, let's say they have three hours per week. I can't see any reason that I would allocate even 10 minutes of that three hours to static stretching over resistance yeah. training. I literally Agreed. cannot see it. Dynamic yeah. stretching, that's a different thing because you're moving, you're warming up. But in my mind, the, the perfect injury prevention warm up would be five to 10 minutes of a low intensity cardio, maybe moderate intensity, something to get the heart rate up, something to get you a little bit warm and then yeah. do one to three warm up sets for every exercise. If it's something yeah. like a bicep curl, where you are not using much weight, do one warm up set, do 50 to 75% of the weight that you are planning to use for the same rep range. And yeah. if you are doing a leg press, like you're doing like four five, six, seven hundred, maybe a thousand pounds. <laughs> 
if you for people who aren't watching alex just kind of totally like um yeah he was like showing off for a second basically saying that was him he, that's him so yeah. uh, he's one of those that much weight yeah um or like you know if you're deadlifting like 500 pounds you know um then yeah. you might need a few a few extra warm-up sets but right. um anything you want to add on this yeah so like you said static stretching doesn't prevent the exercise i prevent the injury it's like you said, ups your pain tolerance for the muscle stretching. And so just like you said, a really great way to become more mobile and to stretch is literally just to work out because you stretch when you're doing that. And yeah. so, like you said, the perfect way to just do any, I have like so many paths that my mind wants to go off in. So it's like with warm up sets, like the whole intention behind doing warm up sets is to prime the joints and get yourself ready neurologically. And part of that neurological getting ready is that stretching that you're doing in the warm up sets. And so it's mm-hmm. like you don't need to do separate stretching when you're already going to be stretching when you're working out. And so it's just, it's just, you're adding more time that's unnecessary to be doing to your workouts. Yeah. So the, there was one other part I wanted to go into and now I lost it. I'll go. Um, so did you, did you see this? Uh, if, if it comes to you, just interrupt me. Okay. Um, okay. But did you see the study where people were growing muscle in their calves from stretching? Have, have, are you familiar with no, that? No, I didn't see that. Okay. Tell so, me about it. Yeah. So I'll be brief with it, but basically they found out like, okay, stretch mediated hypertrophy is a thing, right? And you and I know that. And yeah. it, it's kind of like this new area of research, like, okay, length and position exercises are like short position yeah Yeah. exactly and like moving a little bit maybe 60 percent of your exercise maybe more maybe 70 maybe 80 percent into length and position work um and so they took they it was like a medieval torture device looking looking thing and (laughs) they they put this like device around people's ankle and then would crank it so dorsiflexion so like pulling the toes toward you towards your face Yeah. And then the stretching and they said it was like, I think it was a seven or eight out of 10 on pain, which is the equivalent of breaking a bone. And like, so, what? so, so yeah. So let me just say that, like, if you're hoping for stretching to get you to grow muscle, like look elsewhere, pick up a fucking dumbbell, like don't, <laughs> yeah. don't, don't stretch to the point where you're like screaming, like, ow, right. you know, um, right. I think there are just better ways to grow muscle. And that happens to just be resistance training. It's like, if we can get all the benefits of you know greater mobility and flexibility and range of motion while at the same time growing muscle and yeah. improving bone density and like improving right. blood sugar you know all the benefits that have that that come with resistance training it's like why would why would we spend any time doing static stretching i just i don't yeah. know you're already taking I, all your joints through a full range of motion if you're performing a lot of exercises correctly so i just don't yeah. Oh, what I remembered from what I was going to point out is you had talked about warm up sets and how like you were doing bicep curls, you know, just probably one, all that kind of stuff. Also remember for people like you don't have to do a warm up set for every exercise. And so for example, let's just say like you were doing dumbbell rows, you know, right before you did bicep curls, you're already doing that motion already. You don't really need a warm up going into bicep curls because you've already basically not technically curling, but you're doing that bending motion at your elbow. Yeah, so you're already a- probably warmed up for your dumbbell curls. So obviously the warm up stuff, you know, maybe we could do like a, maybe, I don't know if we start doing like a short stuff kind of podcast episodes where we just go over something really quickly, like warm up sets, but like how you doing your warm up sets, like you don't do it for every exercise. It's more so kind of like, Again, you're prepping your joints and your neurological system. So for example, if your first exercise is a leg press, you're bending at the ankles, you're bending at the knee, you're bending at the hips, whatever you do after leg press, 
you're going to be either bending at the hips, bending at the knee or bending at the ankles or, or a combination of the both. And so you're probably already warmed up for that set and stretched and all that. So, um, that was just kind of the one thing I wanted to add to what you were saying. Yeah. I I think just try to be smart about it. Like if I'm doing leg press, but then next I'm doing like leg curls, for example, I'm still going to go hit. I'm going to do a warm up set on my hamstring. Yeah. But if I'm doing like quads or glutes, like, I don't know if I'll do a warm up set. It kind of depends. Definitely. Um, Oh, the other thing I want to hop into this is, you know, I feel like I've heard a lot that it's like, oh, I'm so tight. Like I need to stretch because I'm tight or this is tight. And so did you want to hop on that first or? I'm just re, I was going to say retweeting, re-threading. You said, it. you said it. You may as well I just know. cussed on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> rethread. Yeah. yeah I, re-thread. I hear a lot of people say like, oh, I'm, you know, I'm so sore. I'm so tight. Like I need to stretch. It's like one, like, yes, you're sore, but like stretching just very short term alleviates that it doesn't mm-hmm. not make you sore. Yeah. And then when people keep saying like, oh, I'm tight, I'm tight. Like for example, you know, I've, I've heard it from clients before where they're squatting, but they can't get very deep in their squat. They're like, it's cause I'm tight. A lot of times it's, it's actually, it's not tightness, it's, weakness. it's not because you're tight. It's weakness. It's, it's not tightness. It's weakness. We- a lot weakness, of times. And yeah. I'm going to add in their uranatomy because yeah. a lot of yeah. people, I have to play around with a lot of clients foot positioning because based oh, on yeah. your, you know, socket joints with your hips and the length of your femurs, femurs and yeah. all that stuff, you're going to squat differently. And so a lot of them like, Oh, well, I can't get down the way. Cause I'm just so tight. No, it's because your femur bone is hitting your, your, what's the word I'm looking for? hip bone socket and you can't go any lower. So let's play yeah. around with your thing. You're not tight. And then again, I think people just feel that people mistaken tightness for weakness a lot. Like you said, too, people think they're really, really tight. It's actually that your glutes are really, really weak. And if we strengthen them, you won't get that same sensation. Yep. And so I hear a lot of time people are like, Oh, I'm going to dedicate. And I'm, there's nothing wrong at the end of the day. Like stretching is not a bad thing. If a client comes to me and says, Hey, I'm going to spend 15 minutes stretching once a week. Awesome. Go for it. There's nothing wrong with you doing that. But a lot of times I say, Hey, I'm feeling really, really tight this week. I want to dedicate 15 minutes to stretching. And the solution to the problem that they're thinking about is not through the stretching. It's actually just through continuing strength training and us figuring out your form a little bit more, but like, you know, it also has you take a break, you relax, you chill out and there's benefits from that too. So. Yeah. I like that you mentioned, you kind of glossed over this really quickly, but you'd mentioned that like, um, stretching is just replacing one stimulus with another. So you're, you know, you're sore or you're tight, you know, the best thing you could do for that soreness or tightness is just move. You know, so often we're sedentary for multiple, multiple, multiple hours, just every 30 minutes, get up from your desk and do like a quick lap around your office or your home or whatever it is. Like you'll feel better soon. Um, Maddie's flexors were pretty sore. The front, the front of her hips, her hip flexors were pretty sore. I had her doing like the cable hip flexor, you know, exercise. She was pulling those in. We did that one time. She's never had pain since. And so like, that's an exercise that she's doing weekly now. Um, But yeah, I mean, it's like if I had a sore wrist and then you hit my ankle with a hammer, it's like, dang, I kind of forgot about the wrist now, you know, because there was a new stimulus being created. And that's the same thing with like heat and ice and uh, manual therapy, which I know this is a whole topic we could get into. (laughs) We'll put aside for now. Yeah. No, definitely. Yeah. It's, it's. Yeah. I, I think you said everything I was thinking of saying, but yeah, it's just, uh, you know, stretching. It's just like, I don't know. I think people put way overrated, overrated too much into it. Now I will say when, before I'm doing squats, I always, I'll go bike for like three to five minutes. Just get me kind of, again, get the joints warmed up and lubricated. And then I will kind of sit in a little deep squat and kind of go back and forth. It just feels really nice. It feels really nice. Kind of get that stretch in right before I go into a squat, but it's not anything, any extra benefit that I'm getting before I actually 
get the bar and go down into a squat. So and it could be potentially uh, detrimental to your to your power output. I'm pretty sure there was a pretty yes, I sure there was a static stretching thing where it's like there if was. you're holding static stretching for 30 to 60 seconds at a higher intensity it reduces your force output in subsequent yes, sets. But I'm I not sure. Yep. I, I think um, in contrary, you know, to to kind of compete with that, the Flexibility Research Institute released that like, okay, well, let's get a little bit of clarity on this and i think that was like if you go immediately into a set like there's no rest time between that yes i'm, I'm not positive on that but that's what i that's what i vaguely remember it's been a, a hot minute since i i read that but i remember seeing something about saying like you know static stretching potentially will reduce your power output yeah. and so you know also on static another. stretching if you have goals like if you're a gymnast or an mma fighter who needs to kick people in the head and you have like extreme ranges of motion that you need to take your joints in this case then static stretching could probably be beneficial i was literally about to hop into that i was like if you're a gymnast and you do the splits like yeah. you're gonna you, need to you, get yourself you into do that you need position. to stretch to do the splits because if you go into a splits and you can't do the splits you are gonna tear something <laughs> yeah, like it will not be good i understand we're not talking about like gymnasts or like say an mma fighter where you do actually stretch your body to extreme lengths and you would need to be able to do those stretching to not be injured we're talking about your everyday person yep. you know what i mean like you sitting down and touching your toes for 30 seconds is not going to prevent this injury that you think is going to happen when you go to the gym also so. and i know we're really beating this one to death but yeah. i just think like there's a lot to talk about here don't feel like you, your quality of life is going to be worse if you can't just like sit down and touch your toes like that doesn't have any bearing on you maybe you have really long femurs and short arms like yeah some true. people are just anatomically built different yeah touching your toes is not like like it used to be you know they'd put you in school and there'd be like that box in front of you you have to like push right. the thing ahead and yes, the that, presidential that, test. Yeah, that made us yeah. all feel horrible about ourselves and yeah. our different capabilities. Yeah. Um, but yeah, don't feel like, you know, these are kinds of, these are, it's kind of arbitrary. I mean, different right. ranges of motion will be different depending on your anatomical setup. Yeah, all I care about at the end of the day is like, does the amount of mobility that I have give me the life that I want to have? And so yep. it's like, if I need to be able to, and most of that actually comes down more so to strength than stretching. Um, but I mean, yeah, it's probably good if I, you know, like I think more so like ankle mobility, like I could squat down and sit down in a deep squat and do something without my heels popping off. But that's not, I've never really worked on ankle mobility per se. I'm sure I've obviously gotten some of it through squatting and sure. leg pressing and all that for sure. Some of that has increased. Um, but as long as I can just do the, the stuff that I need to do and live my life, that's all the mobility I'm looking for. So but for, for somebody that doesn't have ankle mobility, don't feel like you have to just like work on it. I'd honestly rather sure. just have you throw squat wedges underneath your feet yeah. so you can get full yeah. knee, knee flexion. Again, it's, it's, it comes down to, is there an issue of quality of life? You yes. know what I mean? Like yep. that's, that's at the end. Cause I've done the same thing. I have clients who have terrible ankle mobility. I'm like, well, do you have issues like living your life? They're like, no, that's like, let's just throw squat wedges under it. Like mm -hmm. we're going to spend so much time working on ankle mobility and we Months. actually don't know how much we're going to get out of it. Right. You may not even be able to increase your ankle mobility that much. Like it's just not the trade-off isn't worth it. Mm -hmm. So I agree. But yeah, we'll move okay. on to the next one. We'll move on to the third topic now. <laughs> <laughs> that one for like 15 minutes. Um, okay. Next one. Sweating more means that you're burning more calories. This is a big one with people using, I don't know. I don't know if you ever use sweet sweat. Were you ever uh, a user of sweet sweat? No. So I did. It uh, doesn't surprise me back in your like bodybuilding yeah. days when like, or, you know, just being a female in general, you're trying to find everything, to, like shrink your waist and you're like yeah. wrapping yourself in this and rubbing yourself with the sweet sweat and yeah. you know, whatever. So yeah. And I, I see it. Um, you know, I have like a, I have this, uh, what is it called? I have a sauna suit. 
Yeah. And but the purpose of that it was for my powerlifting competition. I was trying. I was testing water cuts to see right. like, can I get to 148.8 pounds like and make right. that cutoff? <laughs> I couldn't. Yeah. Um. But like <laughs> surprise. It yeah. Didn't go, <laughs> didn't go that well. Yeah. Got got to 150.8 before I was like. I cannot do this anymore. For like, I'm not going to be here. If yeah, I'll, I'll just, yeah. I'll just simply die, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So no, sweating does not mean you're burning more calories. Um, I know that we've all seen like the Rocky montage where he puts on a hoodie and a garbage bag, you know, different things yeah. like this, and then goes running through the streets of Philadelphia and is like, when MMA fighters or wrestlers are doing this, it's because they need to hit a weight target. I'm going to pause you real quick. Should we, should we change this a little bit and say sweating more does not mean you're burning more fat. Doesn't matter. This is my thought process and we'll leave this in. So we're going to hear my thought process because I think this is important. So my thought is like, if I'm sitting here right now and let's say you throw up the thermostat and now it's 85 degrees and I'm sweating, my body's having to, to cool me down. So I technically am burning more calories. However, doesn't necessarily mean I'm burning more fat. Are you? I don't think you're burning more calories from thermal regulation. I think you are. Your body, my body's going to work ex- harder to maintain my body temperature. You know, I so think I, they actually did a, I think there was a thing on this. Uh, Cause like Andrew Huberman was saying like, oh yeah, cold baths, um, like ice baths, they increase your calorie expenditure. So then Lane Norton was like, let's see by how much. How much. Well, that, and I'm not saying it's a lot. I'm not saying it's a lot at all, but I'm like technically, right? I would say you are. And what, what, what was Lane Norton's confu- conclusion to that? Yeah, yeah, I don't remember. It's minuscule, right? The most minuscule thing ever. And, you know, Lane Norton is so I'm thinking funny. from like a real technicality point of thing. I'm like, technically I probably am, but maybe that's not even something we should really dive into a ton. I don't even want to encourage people to go overheat themselves in the pursuit of burning more calories. So no, and like, I would never encourage that. Yeah. I'm just trying to think like, okay, technically like, sure. Like if I'm, I'm thinking my body has to regulate its temperature. So it has to work harder to do that. So it's going to take some extra fuel. How much? Not enough for you to go sit in a sauna for an hour every single, which first of all, if you sat in a sauna for an hour, you'd, you'd probably die. But yeah, like probably not that good. Sauna for, you know, 20 minutes every single day is not going to substantially make your fat loss goals go faster. It's not of any tan, like worthwhile thinking. I don't know. I just thought that was maybe a asterisk to throw in there, but you know. Yeah, I don't. I don't disagree with it. It's um, it's something that I'd have to look more into to see like numbers and like what yeah. studies have been done and like. Right. Don't Anyways, overheat. Don't overheat we, yourself trying to 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 burn more energy, guys. Yeah, yeah. Basically, at the end of the day, it's just like no. You. With I think the big part for me, this has affected my fitness journey and all that is if I got at to the end of the workout and I wasn't super crazy dripping in sweat, I probably didn't have a good workout. And so it did take a long time for me. Like, look, if I push myself really hard to failure, if I, you know, you know, strive to improve my performance, that's my dictator of if I had a good workout. Now, when you push yourself really hard and push you close to failure, you're most likely going to break a sweat. But I've also been in gyms before where they're like freezing inside and I don't really break a sweat, even though I'm working really hard, but I'm also resting two minutes. And so whatever sweat I was about to break, I've cooled down a little bit since then too. So I think it's just important, at least in my fitness journey was just to remember that like, just because I didn't sweat doesn't mean I didn't have a good workout, yeah. you know? Yeah, I totally agree. And that actually brings us to our next point very smoothly. Oh, which is I didn't even realize that. Wow. No pain, no gain. So this is kind of a myth of like, if you aren't sore, 
maybe you didn't gain muscle, you didn't right. tear down the muscle enough right. <laughs> to, to, yeah. to, to grow it. But the reality is like, there is a very low degree of stimulus that is needed in order to challenge the muscle into growing potentially up to five, 10 RIR. It's right. just that the stimulus that you'll get from five to 10 RIR reps and reserves. So if you, if you're going through a set at the end of the set, you have like eight left in the tank, that'd be eight RIR. Um, the stimulus there is going to be so low that you're going to get a lot more. You'd have to do the amount of volume, the amount of sets that you'd have to do to get the same degree of stimulus as like right. one set to zero to three ish RIR. It's just like, we have to think about time savings here. So I wouldn't always chase soreness. Soreness is not a good indicator of how good of a workout you had or of muscle growth or anything like that. You know, do we want to go into the repeated bout effect at all or go for it? Okay, so um, the first time you do an exercise for, I'm just going to say, in a while, you know, yeah. I don't think there's any solid timetable on that. But the first time you do an exercise in a, in a while, um, there's going to be a much higher degree of soreness that comes from that. Every subsequent time after that first one will be less. So yes. third one, I don't think will be as, man, how do I, how do I word this? You don't get progressively less and less and less sore. The first one, a lot of soreness. Everyone after that, less sore. There's something called right. the repeated bout effect, which is basically like your body is protecting itself. It understands the movement and it's protecting itself from that degree of soreness again. Yeah. I'm I'm, I'm okay with that answer. Okay. I was like, I don't know if you want to keep going or I'm like, I'm like looking up. Cause I'm like, do I love that answer? It's like, that's, that's doable. That's passable for me. I, I think everyone who's listening understands exactly what you're saying that yeah. there's this degree over time where it just becomes less and less and less. But there was one thing you said and you're like, you shouldn't always chase soreness. And it's like, there's a little, you use that word always. It's like, there's sometimes that soreness can be helpful. And so it's like, yeah. if, you shouldn't always be sore. If you were always sore, we need to look at some Dial stuff. Dial it back. Well, it could either be like dial it back. You're not recovering, or maybe you only work out once a week. And mm -hmm. if you're only working out once every seven days, you're probably going to be pretty sore each time you're pushing yourself pretty hard. So there could be that, but it's just, um, if you are, let's say you work out three, four, five times a week. If you are never, ever sore, not even like a probably, little bit, you not even a little bit, you yeah. probably could be pushing yourself harder. So yep. I don't, you shouldn't, again, like you have said, being sore is not the indicator of a good workout, but if you're not ever, ever, ever sore, that couldn't be, that can be a good indicator of you're probably could be working harder. Um, but if you're always constantly working hard, you're not going to be sore a lot. You will at certain times, because there'll be one of those times where you pushed really extra hard and your body's like, you know, and you just kind of, <laughs> I don't know what that sound that was. That noise but... was perfect. Your body's going to be like, Oy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And, you know, you get a little bit sore. So um, it, there's just that kind of like fine line to it. So, and when I say like, like for me example, just give me an example. I probably get sore once every like five, six-ish weeks. And it kind of goes in hand with like, as I get closer to the end of the mesocycle or my training cycle, like I just push even harder and there will be like a little few times here and there where I'll be like, Ooh, after that one leg day, I was really sore, but the second leg day, I didn't get that sore. So it typically happens once, maybe like every two months ish, or maybe like month for me. So yeah. Yeah. I, get, I get, I get sore. I mean, I send it, you know, on pretty much every yeah. set. Like I just, I mean, you've trained with me at this point, like 
Well, and like you've mentioned a lot of times, you are currently full sending it on purpose because yeah. of your train where your training volume's at. Yeah, I, I so. drop my training volume way down, um, and intentionally I'm going to like zero RIR, and then doing intensity techniques like drop sets or like weighted stretches and and just things that I'm kind of self experimenting with. Yeah, I took a, I don't know if you know Nate, but I took Nate through a a workout and. Um, mm-hmm. He was like, dude, what the hell are you yeah. doing? Right, we did we did a chest press, the cable chest press to failure. Then we dropped weight by 20%. Immediately again, drop set to yeah. failure again. And then sit there with a weighted stretch for 10 seconds. And oh he was gosh. like, what is wrong with you? <laughs> the more, the more, the higher intensity you go, the more recovery you're going to need. And yeah. so. And the less volume these, you need. And the less volume you're going to need. And so, like you said, you're experimenting a lot. You probably get, you're pushing yourself harder than a lot of people are. So you're going to have soreness more often, but then that's also, uh, there's a fatigue that comes with that and recovery that comes with that too. So yeah, there's a whole balance with that. I I like the intensity, you know, of like just pushing myself. I know. Like, I just like, like, you're a work, you're, you're a work horse dog, whatever we call it. You just got to conquer that inner bitch. You know what I mean? Like, (laughs) like my body's going to tell me to quit. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, right. Here at 10 seconds doing a chest press and be like, uh-uh, you're not. Yeah, you don't give not, up. You do not going. give up. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, okay, we'll move on to the next one. Alcohol in low doses can be healthy. This kind of goes with our like having a glass of wine per night, which is so funny because I literally talked to someone yesterday about this. Um, there is no amount of dosage of alcohol that is actually healthy for you. Drink, having a glass of night being healthy glass of wine a night being healthy for your heart is a myth and is not true. The benefit that you're getting from drinking a glass of wine is not from the alcohol. It's from the grapes. So if you want the benefit of drinking a glass of wine a night, just drink grape juice and toss the alcohol because the alcohol is not benefiting you at all. I'm going to say, and I framed it this way for a client. She was really worried about, um, she had a golf outing coming up and she was like, Hey, I'm really worried about my relationship with alcohol. You know, I kind of have an all or nothing. And I said, look, there are times that we need to focus on our physical health and there are times that we need to focus on our social or mental health. Right. And she really liked that I put it in perspective of, you know, social health. And I said, like, you know, this Saturday, yes, you are going to drink in moderation. Like you're going to do you do your thing. Just I gave her some tips, like make sure you're hydrated because she's going to be on yeah. a golf course drinking and it's a diuretic. Right. But um, I, I do think like, you know, the Mediterranean diet, people are always kind of curious about how they are able to drink, you know, wine and things like that and still be healthy despite alcohol being literal poison for you and it being unhealthy in any single dose and it being a carcinogen, um, which, you know, if you don't know that causes cancer. So I would just, you know, keep a little, you know, keep in mind. But the thing about them is like every time they're drinking, every time they're, they're eating, they have friends, they have family around, like their social health, their stress is so low because of the environment that they're in and the way they approach alcohol. Like it's like a lot of times the Mediterranean diet or the, you know, it's not like we're doing beer Olympics with my buds and I'm smashing 40 beers. Like that's not the way it rocks. Yeah. Yeah. It's more so casual. I I think you bring up a good point. Like, you know, with the Mediterranean diet, I feel like 
a lot of people, when they see the Mediterranean diet, they cherry pick at it when there's a whole host of yes. things where it's yes. like, okay, this could be healthy. And it's like, I think the Mediterranean diet really goes into the blue zones. And you know what the blue zones are? Those are spots in the world. There's like four or five of them, I think, where a lot of people in a very condensed area live to like over over 100. And so one of those areas is like the Mediterranean area. And so that's why the Mediterranean diet became so popular because like, man, these people are living to over 100. What's going on? It's like, okay, yes, they're eating a lot of lean proteins, a lot of vegetables. That's something to, to come into. They're also very active. They walk everywhere. They're social. Mm -hmm. They don't let work run their life. They have a very good work-life balance. There are so many factors that people don't consider. They just look to Mediterranean like, oh, they only eat fish. So if I want to live to be 100, I shouldn't eat chicken or beef or anything. It's like, no, there's a whole – we very much underestimate the holisticness of health and how, you know, I I don't – I'm not going to put all my eggs in this basket, but – I had the conversation literally yesterday with someone and someone was making the not argument, but the statement that possibly, you know, if we talk about alcohol and it's like, if having a glass of wine a couple times a week lowers your stress levels, it actually could potentially be worth having that, having the wine because you're lowering your stress levels and maybe that could offset some stuff. I'm not saying there's any study to back that up or anything, but it was an interesting thought of like, huh, that is interesting. Like, yes, alcohol is a poison and it's not good for you. And there's no good dosage that's healthy for you. But if you are someone who just like having that glass of wine every Friday night really unwinds you and de-stresses you, maybe that trade-off could, could balance that. Yeah. Let me, let me put in just for the people that are like, Oh, thank God she said that because (laughs) I was not giving up my wine. Take a close look at your relationship with alcohol. I think a lot of people have kind of let it, you know, maybe get a little bit too, they're letting it go inch by inch by inch and they need to take a really close relationship with, is it adding to your life or is it honest to God? Is it, is it pulling away from your life? And if replace alcohol with heroin, crystal meth, (laughs) cocaine. Yeah. I mean, if it's, we know it's bad for your health to do these things, but if you think about it, like, yeah, I, I, oh man, you know, I just had such a stressful week at work. I think this Friday I'm going to do a little bit of crystal meth. I think that's what yeah. I'm going to do because I know it's not good for my physical health, but it is good for my mental and social health. It's like, you sound like a loony. That's what you sound yeah. like. You sound like a loony. I do. I, and I don't know this I'm for going sure. Extreme. But I'm going extreme here. Okay. I do think crystal meth is way worse for you than having a glass of wine. <laughs> I cannot confidently say, but I'm pretty sure. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm like 99.9% sure. So who's to say? <laughs> yeah, but no, but I think you bring up a good point of like, okay, at the end of the day, at the end of the week, if you have a glass of wine, you're probably fine. But if like every evening you need a beer or two to de-stress from your day, check let's, it out. Let's, 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 we let's... should be looking at that. Like, can we go for a walk? I know they sound like woohoo, but like, it's true. Like, can we go for a walk? Can I journal? I read a book, putting deep pen to paper. Yeah. Do what? Just, I was just adding to it. Take a walk, read a book, deep breathe yeah. for a minute. Journaling, like, like you said, is such using a good idea. Alcohol to de stress us. Let's look into something else de stressing us. And so, you know, again, I'm not, I, I literally drank yesterday. I had a, glasses of wine at the pool. I'm not against alcohol at all, but we need to look at your relationship of what is it serving you in, in your life. And for me, I pretty much only drink when I socialize. So for me, it's kind of just one of those things where, like, you know, I feel good, get a little bit of buzz, I'm hanging out and with friends. But other than that, I pretty much don't drink. And the other time I drink is like if I have a steak or something that just tastes really good with a glass of wine. That's my relationship. And so I'd encourage you, if you are using alcohol to de-stress you, I never recommend that. I even think if that's what unwinds you after a whole week, I don't think that's what you should be doing. But at the same time, 
you know, it's your life and you can choose kind of your give and take of that stuff. But, um, I think that we need to look into your relationship with alcohol for sure. Eventually we might want to do a very in-depth alcohol episode. We would need weeks of planning for that, but that might be an interesting one to dive into. Yeah, definitely. Next one. Yep. Um, high reps and low weight leads to long and lean muscle. I'll let you take this one. Um, okay. So muscle, it either grows or it shrinks, you know, mm-hmm. like that's, that's what we've got. You're, you're not, you're not adding to the best of my knowledge. You're not adding sarcomeres or yeah, length to the, the chain of muscle. So it, it, it will grow in size, but it's not going to grow in length if it could. It's like, let's say we, let's say our muscles were ropes. We would not want them to get longer because then we right. would have a lot of slack on them. And that would not, <laughs> they'll move. It would not be that yeah. good. We'd be like just yeah. puddles of bone and flesh. You yeah. know, it'd be, it'd be a yucky situation. So you should be grateful that you can uh, get long muscle. Um, yeah. Your muscle is the length that it is and you can grow it or you can shrink it. Um, so a quick rundown on like muscle growth science, I guess anywhere in the five to 30 rep range is going to be generally equally good for muscle growth. I would, I would just say that like some exercise, some exercises lend themselves better to higher rep stuff, maybe in the 10 to 15 range, where some exercises are better for the five to 10 range. You know, an example of that was like a leg press five to 10 reps on leg press. Great. Feels awesome. Yeah. Doing yeah. like 15 reps on leg press, that's probably going to be a cardio exercise for a lot of people. Whereas like a yeah. lateral raise, trying to do a five rep max of lateral raises might not make your elbows and shoulders feel that good, like your joints feel yeah. that good. So that's right. kind of an exercise that lends itself better to maybe eight to 14 or 10 to 15 reps. For right. what it's worth, the majority, and let me just say that like five to 30 rep range, as long as sets are taken close to failure, that is the big right. caveat that we really need to highlight here is like, you need to be taking your sets close to failure. There needs to be something called an involuntary slowdown in the concentric of the exercise. So if I'm doing a bicep curl on the way up, that is the concentric that should be slowing down comparative to my first rep, despite me trying with max effort. If that has never happened for you, go do a few warm-up sets, go do a warm-up, go do a few warm-up sets, and then try it. You know, on some exercise that is safe to fail on. Something like a barbell yeah. bench press, if you don't have safeties or a spotter, not safe. Something like yeah. a bicep curl, go nuts. Do your thing. Um, yeah. More Higher reps, like 20, 30 plus, they have two downsides that come to mind. One, they will generate more neurological fatigue, which will potentially disturb the rest of your workout and then the second time thing is and this is the more practical use of it is it they just take a lot of time doing yeah. 20 25 30 reps that takes a lot of time you can just do yeah. more work with less time if you do the majority of your work in like the 5 to 14 rep range now yeah. for a new client i don't like them doing 5 6 reps if i if you know that's a lot of weight to do a 5 6 rep max Whereas like something like 10, 11, 12, okay, we're able to drop the weight by like 20, 30% at that point. And they're going to be able to get more reps for more practice and be able to practice the movement and get their technique down. Yeah, totally. Yeah. You talk a lot. I I ditto everything you said. And that talks a lot about the, like the long muscle and stuff. And then going into lean, I think is what a lot of women are thinking. Like I want to be this lean muscle. Muscle Yeah. It's, it's already lean. Like the definition of like being lean is, is having something that has a high ratio of muscle to it. Muscle is a hundred percent muscle. It's not getting any leaner. And so it's just like, it is lean. And so the only way to get more muscle is to build it with like what Alex was saying, working in the five to 30 rep range, working close to failure. And then, you know, again, 
assessing, like you said, the different rep ranges for different exercises, but like your muscle is already in the length that it will, the longest it will ever be. And is the leanest technically that the muscle, what muscles already lean. So it's the leanest it's ever going to be. So if you're looking for that long and lean look, it's literally building muscle and then having a body fat to muscle percentage ratio that gives you the look that you're wanting. Yep. So there's no, if you're doing 15 reps, it's not going to build this more feminine muscle. And then if you do 10 reps, it's going to build this more masculine muscle. The only difference between male and female because muscle is guys have more muscle in a different body shape than females, right? So yep. when a guy builds up their upper body and even their lower body, they look more Dorito shaped, right? You know, yep. you guys are going for this like really triangular shape, but you naturally have smaller hips, right? And some women do too. And so when you're going for the look as a female, maybe a more feminine approach to your look, it's literally just training just how men are building up those muscles in the areas you want to build muscle in and having lower body fat percentage. That's, that's the magic pill or formula. The training between the training differences between men and women are none. I mean, it's an individualization approach. Like yeah, it's not that all women want to grow more glutes or that all men want to grow a big chest. It's like, I want to grow big glutes. I'm a guy, you yeah. know? So, but, but in terms of like how, if Brie and I had the exact same goals, exact same equipment, exact same preferences, we would do the exact same program. Like yeah. me and yeah. her would do the exact same exercises, the yes. same degree of failure, and yes. we'd still be growing our muscle. It's so look for a, an individualized approach, but not one that's like men versus women, because that's just not how physiology works. Yes. How you grow muscle is not different at all between men and women. Yep. What you prioritize and which muscles you're building, that's where the difference come in because there's different preferences. And sure. you're going to have, you know, uh, you know, women or men having similar preferences and what they're wanting to grow too. It's literally just a societal kind of thing that, you know, there's this look that a lot of people are going for depending mm. on, you know, I guess what you're, what you're desiring or what, what you find is attractive or whatever. So I think the, the one commonality, like most men want like bigger glutes, bigger legs, you know, and women kind that of used to not be the thing though. that used to not be the thing. It used to be chest yeah. and arms. That was yep. the thing. But the one thing that I've found with my clients that men and women have agreed on a lot lately arms, they want mm -hmm. women want the wedding arms is what a yeah. lot of, I've been hearing a lot of guys just want bigger arms, you know, like I want, yeah. I want the, the biceps to fill out my, my golf polo, you know, is yeah. kind of the vibe. Yeah. But then women, it's like, I want to stop this jiggle. I was showing a woman today. I was like, look, I have jiggle too. Like this is, yeah. I have, I'm very lean right now, but I still have jiggle. It's just like, that's the way the body works. Anyways, that's a, yeah. that's another tangent. No, but I, I want just on that. People aren't watching this right now, but like, or not everyone, some people are. Um, but the jiggle, I did a reel on that. I'm like uh, yeah, muscle that isn't flexed jiggles yep. is what I said in it. It's like, I can hold up my arm right now and jiggle my arm just oh, yeah. like you did on camera. Yeah. And it's our muscle that's jiggling around because it's not flexed. And mm -hmm. so there's so many women who won't get rid of the wings. I'm like, sure. Yeah. If you get rid of some body fat, that will get rid of some of the wing esqueness of whatever you're not wanting, but you are always going to have jiggle on your arms because you are always going to have muscle and muscle it's not going to always be flex fat. and it's going yeah. to move. Mm -hmm. You know, if you ever, not everyone's seen this, but a lot of bodybuilders do the quad flex where they grab their quad unflex and they jiggle it as much as they can. And they intensely flex it at an instant mm -hmm. and it just solidifies. Yep. And it's just like, that's even something they do on stage. You yeah. know what I mean? Like having that jiggle is like this desirable thing because it's like, look at this, just like load of muscle. Yeah. Boom, meat, instantaneous. Meat slab. It's a it's giant that slab this is all of muscle. meat. Yeah. Yeah. It's showing how instantaneous you can get that movement to stop because you have so much muscle right there. So, it, you know, yeah, I won't go into that anymore, but I just like that you brought that up. So, um, the next one, eating small, frequent meals, boosts your metabolism. Um, 
I don't even know what to say about this other than no, it's a myth. No, it's a myth. Yeah, it doesn't. <laughs> I, to make your metabolism go any faster or whatever, nothing. I, there's nothing to go in here. That's just the that's game. That's just game. it. Yeah, that's just Something the way that it is. Something somehow made up that it makes it go faster. And I think people say like you're burning stuff more or whatever. It's like, well, I mean, yeah, if you're constantly eating food, your body's going to break down that food, but whether you have a hundred calories across five hours and you break down that hundred calories across five hours or 500 calories at one time, your body still has to break down that 500 calories worth of food. So it's all the same. It, it, net out, it just nets out. It's like yeah. the eating, um, eating late at night. It all just nets out. Yep. So, yep. Move on. Um, to the next one, okay. Then. Yeah. Uh, crunches are the key to a flat stomach. I lose my, I, I'm, I, I love everybody. I love everybody so much, but oh my God, I lose my mind at this because people will say to me that like, I know spot reduction isn't a thing. So it's like, okay, great. Check Mark. Awesome. You know, spot reduction is a thing, but, but then they say, but, and that's where I, that's where screws come loose inside of my uh, psychotic brain. (laughs) Um, That's where, that's when I start to lose my mental a little bit is when they, when I hear the, but, and it's like, but if I do more abs, can I get a flatter stomach? Let me tell you this muscle grows. And so if I like, if I wanted more defined arms, there are two things that I could do. I could focus on growing my arms with muscle building exercises, curls, extensions, etc., for the biceps and triceps, or I could reduce my body fat. However, so reducing the body fat will make it, you know, kind of shrink. Smaller. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, yeah. but if we're looking at abs, we have two things that we can do. Same thing. We can grow the abs through resistance training. And I'm not talking about grow the hundred. Muscle. Yeah, grow the yeah. muscle. Or we can shrink the body fat. Again, spot reduction is a thing. We have to just be in a calorie deficit consistently. Eventually, right. we'll get lean enough to see the abs. Right. If you try to hypertrophy your abs, if you try to grow the muscle there, what is going to happen? Your waist is going to expand. You're going to have a bigger yeah, waist and it's going to take a lot of time. Let me say this. You're not going to yeah. do like a few sets of dumbbell crunches or cable crunches or gar hammers or whatever. And all of a sudden, like, wow, I have a fridge appearance, like my body yeah. or a refrigerator. Like that's not right. how it works. But I do just want to tell a lot of people that like doing core for general core strength is totally fine. I think it's way overrated. I think I have plenty of core strength just from doing like bent over rows, for example, like I'm preventing my body from twisting, right? That is anti-rotation right there. You can do more specific exercises like a pal-off press if you wanted, but I just think that core exercises are so overrated for the vast majority of people. I think they're there's a there's just so many better ways to spend your time. You are not going to get the amount of time, the amount of effort and time you would need in order to make your abs visible when they are not currently visible. If you are not losing any body fat, it would years. be years, years, years yeah. of doing crunches. And it really depends on what your body fat's even at the start. I mean, if you're like, you're having 50 pounds of body fat to lose. You'll never, never see it. Never you'll, never, you'll never, ever, 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 ever. You'll never, yeah. ever, ever see it. Never. Yeah. yeah. So if you're at like a, a normal body weight, I would say, I don't, gosh, in normal, such a Arbitrary. relative term, yeah. but like it would take years for you to build enough yes. muscle for them to push through the fat for you to be able to see them. Yeah. And, and, you know, let's say like, like right now, I can see my abs 10 pounds ago. I couldn't. Yeah. I didn't have to spend 
four years doing ab exercises, I needed to spend four weeks literally yeah. in a calorie deficit. Yeah. So like if yeah. you want to see your abs, more power to you. I think for a lot of women, it can be unrealistic to get there and still have healthy body fat levels. I'm sorry. Right. It's just like, that's just the way it goes. Yeah. You guys yeah. naturally need more body fat. And it could be as a female, because we do need more body fat that you, if you do want to have that physique of where you can see the visible individual blocks of abs that you would have to spend years hypertrophying your waist, but that comes at the trade-off of you're going to have a bigger waist. And if that's okay with you, awesome. And I don't, I, I always hesitate when I talk about this topic of telling women like, yeah, if you do abs, you're going to get bigger waist. And they're like, Oh, I'm never doing abs again. I know. It's like, it would take so long, so long. And having core strength is really important. And like Alex said, you will get plenty strong core wise for your everyday person through just lifting weights. You're going to do so much isometric work technically through compound movements and stuff. You will get so much strength through your core, but if you want more strength, go for it. That's fine. Just know if the only reason you're doing ab workouts is because you want a smaller waist, you're actually being very counterintuitive and you're making your waist bigger is what you're doing now. It, so it's like, if, and think about this too. Think about the anatomy. Your abs are always flat. Like your, the muscle is sitting on top of your organs underneath a layer of fat. It is always flat. So when you're saying I want a flatter stomach, the only thing you're needing to make go down is, is the, is body fat yep. because the muscle, it's not like you, this, this is the other thing we talked about before we even came on this podcast. I hear women all the time say, I need to tighten up my waist. Mm. I need to tighten up mm. my abs. Yep. Nothing is loose. Right. Your abs are, I mean, okay. Talk about pregnant women, diet, you know, sure. diastasis recti, where you split your abs apart. Bro, we're not talking about that right now. Special case scenario. Yep. Special case scenario. Okay. Obviously your abs do split. There are exercises for them to heal and come back together, but just normal, whatever, female, your abs are intact and are together. You're not tightening anything up. What's what you're thinking is, is you have a lot of body fat on your stomach. It's loose. It moves, it jiggles and you're wanting to, you know, get snatched. And I think you hear that, that word snatch and it thinks tightening and you think of corsets and it tightens and that's what you're trying to do. You're not doing any of that. <laughs> you are, if you're doing ab exercises, you're just making the muscle bigger. And then when you lose body fat, you're just removing body fat from that area. There is no tightening of your waist ever at all. At any point in your life, you will not tighten your waist. That was so, so good. I just need a mic drop. I just, it, 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 that's one of those things where my loose, my screws come loose. Again, anyone mm-hmm. listening to it, client listening to this, if you've talked me through this, I love you. I'm yes. not mad at you ever nope. talking about this. Nope. But it, in inside, I'm just like, I wish society has really pushed this. And society is the reason why you think this. And it's just like, if you take, if you know the anatomy of the body and you take a second to think about, okay, like if I look at a cadaver, like their abs are just sitting there and then body fat piles on top. Like, how are you tightening something? Like, think about that. Like, it's like, it's not You're even not. on the individual person though. It's like, walk into a fucking Planet Fitness. They have a 30 minute ab zone. So it's True. like, all yeah. like it's, it, it's the messaging. It's not like the individual mm-hmm. people. It's the messaging as a whole. And so I don't know. Yeah. The, the messaging yeah. is like, listen to the damn strong podcast. That's the message. Y- yeah. Yeah. So, soon okay, to be changed. Back. We gotta get to our last to be changed, team, So Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. This one we kind of covered, I feel like a little bit in the long and lean muscle, but it says women getting bulky from lifting weights. Yeah. Um, first of all, uh, We've tried. Both of Do us, have, we, both of us have tried getting bulky, and I'd say we're like we, we're we're like in shape, right? But like, I'm not yeah. looking like sebum. I've been trying for a decade. Like, 
this is the thing. It's like people who are, so I get it. I totally get the women who are thinking this. Like, I don't want to look, there's a woman that they have a picture of in their mind that they've seen and they will, I don't want to look like that. Mm -hmm. I get it. Everyone is, has the right to have a preference of aesthetics. That is totally fine. But just know that female that you don't want to look like she has spent, she has her life, her, her life, but she has so much more discipline than you do. She has spent so much more time with her nutrition, with her training. She's individualized it. She's tweaked it. She, she has dialed in the screws, whatever you want to call them so much more than you have to get to that. It is very difficult to get bulky as a woman and very difficult and it takes a lot of time. Let me say for a lot of the people that are looking at those, those women, those women may have just had a, a small sprinkle of anabolic steroids, just yeah. a small smattering yeah. To, yeah. To, to get to the point of like, really like you look like, Whoa. Yeah, when you see, when you see a female that you're like, Oh my gosh, like this is like out of this world. She's like, it, it, it's hard to comprehend how, how maybe muscular she is. She's on steroids. She's probably you know I mean? on see, steroids. Yeah. Yeah. If you see a woman who has like bigger, you're like, I don't want my arms to be the size of her. I want my quads to be the size of her. Okay. Then probably not. But still at the end of that day, just, I mean, again, like Alex says, we, our entire goal for both of us, like we just want to get bulky. Like I want to have a lot of muscle where I always see this, like the meme on like, I don't know, Instagram or whatever, where it's like, if I was to like do a crime or I went missing and someone had to give my like description, <laughs> I want them to be like five foot seven brunette, muscular jacked, build, muscular. <laughs> like I want to be able to sit here and people are like, Whoa, she works out. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, I'm not looking to be insane. Like I'm not looking to look crazy, but I do want people to look at me and be like, okay, she, uh, she cares about the fitness thing. Like she's yep. got something going on there, you know? Yep. Yeah. But other people, and, and I have worked so many years to get, and I'm not even there yet. I don't think I am. I've worked so hard and it's worked so many years and I've dialed in my nutrition and my discipline by a ton. And so it's just like, you're not going to get there on accident. Yeah. Like you're not from doing eight reps or 15 reps. Like you're just not going to, it takes so long to yeah. even get to that point of that female. So yeah. sorry, I, I went off on a tangent. So no, no, no. I like it. It's it. yeah. I, I think like the, the analogy that I like to use is like when you get in your minivan in the morning to drop your kids off at school, you're not worried about becoming a NASCAR driver. Like, it's right. not like, Oh my God, I'm just going to slip into this event. Like that's yeah. not how it works. It will take so much more time. Like you're not just going to be like lifting a dumbbell and then you're like, Oh man, wow. Really push that one hard. Zero IR. That yeah. was intense. And then the next morning you just like wake up and you're like, wow, I'm a Greek God this morning. I don't know what happened. Right. Like it you're doesn't work that way. You will have so much time to pump the brakes. I mean, yeah. we're talking, we're talking seven years to pump yeah. the brakes. If you really are worried about getting bulky, right. you'll know a decade in advance. Yes. Well, it's just like, even if we like took that example further, let's say like for, you know, I've, I've seen people give like gifts to, for, for birthdays where it's like, go sit in a NASCAR with like with a professional driver. It's like, you're not going to go even actually drive a NASCAR one time and then be a professional driver. You have to put the time, the commitment, the skill, you have to have the right tools, right? Yeah. You need the actual car. You need a team to, I mean, you need a team to lose body fat or build muscle, but like you need a team to be in the, in the pit, changing out your tires when you're racing. Like there's so many things and things that have to be in place for you to actually get to that, to that spot. So yeah. I meant to text you actually the other day, the other day I picked up a basketball and I was like, dang, I almost became LeBron James. It was so close. You should it was have. So close. It was so close. I almost have. became LeBron James. Luckily I didn't. Thank God. 
Yeah. And we have to remember too, you keep bringing up professionals, which I think is a good point because it's like people who are that women who are that size and muscle are most likely doing it professionally. They're in the bodybuilding space. They've dedicated their lives to it. And so it's like any, think of any profession, chef, roofer, dentist, you have to spend so much time to, to actually get to that spot. And so it just applies the same way when it comes to getting that much muscle. Agree. All right. Three more fitness myths. Um, this next one, cardio is the best way to lose weight. I'm just going to quick X this out. Nutrition is the best way to lose weight. Like you're, it's very, very difficult to outrun a bad diet. Something I've been talking about recently, uh, with a lot of my clients is like, they've been asking about cardio and stuff like that. And I give them, you know, kind of my general recommendations, like cardio is great for health and things like that, but I would not use it as, can it supplement fat loss? Yes, for sure. It can supplement fat loss, but I would not look at the issue with higher intensity cardio modalities is that they have a larger compensatory effect. So what that means is like, if you go do your like soul cycle, if you go do your orange theory, something that's really intense, you're probably going to have an, a compensatory effect in your energy expenditure to the degree that like just a, a practical kind of layout for this is like, you go do your class, you come home, you're sitting on the couch cause you're exhausted. Right? right. Whereas something like we could probably do a lower intensity modality, for example, like walking, it's why we're so big on steps. If we just do that and spread it out across the day, there'll probably be a lot lower of a compensatory effect in terms of energy expenditure. So let's say like, I don't love like giving numbers of like calories burnt because there's no way outside of a lab setting right. to know no. like your, your Apple watch, right. your Fitbit, your Garmin, whatever brand it is, does not accurately tell you energy expenditure. Um, but anyways, let's say we burn 300 calories Um, in a workout, we would expect our daily energy expenditure then to go up 300 calories. But because of the compensatory effect, it doesn't go that way. Now, let me also add that I'm really big into the theoretical energy models kind of thing. I love it. Yeah. Um, I have a seven minute YouTube video in case anybody's curious. It's, it's, (laughs) it's unlisted. It's unlisted. So you'd have to DM me for it. But anyways, um, this compensatory model happens from what we've seen happens when we're in a deficit but not when we are at maintenance or a surplus. So a little bit of just a food for thought there. A little, it's a little, little interesting fact. Yeah. The compensatory is a big word. So I'm just going to like really simplify that word for a second. It's just, it's that's, that's the simplest word ever. Okay. I won't. No, 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 please, 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 please. For the simpletons out there, please explain compensatory. I was going to say that what you're saying, if I'm just really just bring that down to a level just to simplify it. When you work out really, really intensely, your body decides to say, Hey, I am beat. I'm not moving for the rest of the day. And so it ends up scaling it out. I don't That's not the right word. Compensating. I know, but I'm trying to just think of like, um, (laughs) you just sounded very like when you were talking about it, you sounded very like big word, like, I know. And like theoretical energy models and stuff like that. And I'm like throwing out these like big phrases and stuff like that. If, if this was confusing, send us a message and I'll, I'll try to break it down in a simpler way. Yeah. I wasn't trying to say that like, yeah, you know what, for people who don't have a large vocabulary (laughs) like myself. Okay. I just think about those people and I'm just like, okay, let's just really, that's why I love analogies. Okay. I do too. Let's just really break this down of like. Like you said, that's why we love steps because that's not usually what happens when we have a higher, when we have a step goal is that you go for a 10 minute walk and your body's like, Woof, I'm beat. I'm definitely going to sit on the couch for the rest of the day. You're like, I can go for another walk and you're fine. Yeah. I think it's so. important to note that like the, one of the, the biggest fluctuating part of our energy expenditure is non-exercise activity thermogenesis. And like, I just want this to be highlighted that like, 
your energy, your daily energy expenditure will adapt to the inputs that you provide to it. I don't know if I'm making a good point here. But no, no, you, no, you're making sense. You're good. Yeah. No, no. So it makes sense. It, it just, I want that to be like clear that like, just because you did a high intensity exercise doesn't mean you're going to lose weight. Like focus on nutrition, please God yeah. focus on nutrition. Yeah, totally. Um, okay. More exercises is always better for muscle growth. This is false. More does not equal better when it comes to building muscle quality and taking your sets close to failure and resting properly yes. and recovering properly. Let's make sure we include those things is going to always be better for muscle growth. Yep. Agreed. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I think a lot of people take this maximalist approach of like more, 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 more. I want to be in the gym six days a week, five days a week, seven days a week. It's like, Dude, you could you might be able to get better results on two or three days a week than like yeah, seven. Honestly, I mean, seriously. Yeah. So it, yeah. yeah, I would not say more like, is always better. Yeah, I had a client who just messaged me, and we just started. We did nutrition for a while together, and we just started doing training together. And nice. she texted me, and she was like, um, "She's like, I, I, this is. She's like, this is crazy. I used to do, you know, much more more exercises, like eight, nine exercises. I only have her doing four exercises on her leg days, and she goes, but, but because now we have RIR and you're pushing me more intensely, she's like, I can't. I, I am, she, she was like, I know, she goes, I know soreness is not a good indicator, but she goes, I am <laughs> <I'm> wrecked. <laughs> so sore. She's yeah. like, I am wrecked. Yeah. And she's like, I only did four exercises when previously I would do so many more. And so right. it's like quality over, I mean, yeah, quality over the quantity of what you're doing. And For so sure. you're really just dialing in that intensity, then yep. you don't need as much. Yeah. So. I, I think generally speaking, if, if anybody's looking for a really practical takeaway, um, if you're doing much more than like six to eight sets for a single muscle group in a single session, I would parse that down. So like, if you have yeah. let, like, let's say six like eight sets, I just want to make sure everyone heard you said sets, sets. not exercises, yes. not reps, sets. sets. Yeah. So yeah. like, let's say I'm doing like a dumbbell bench press, a chest fly, a machine chest press, you know, just things like this. If I'm doing like three exercises and like four sets each of just chest on one day, I'd rather have somebody split that up and do six sets here, six sets another time down the week. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I think another one way to say that too, like just again, to bring it down even more, if people are not thinking of like muscle groups and stuff is like, honestly, if you're not toasted after anywhere from four to six extras, honestly, like for me, leg day, like four exercises, maybe I can do a fifth. I'll yeah. have to really mess up with the energy. But if I'm not pooped at the end of four exercises, you probably didn't go hard enough. And then upper body, cause there's just more muscles to kind of go about probably like that, you know, about six exercises, I would say if you're not pooped. What? Did you hear that? Yeah. Kahlua shook her head. Kahlua shaking her head yeah. with her ears. <laughs> Um, yeah, if you're not pooped after four to six exercises on upper body day or lower body day, you need to be working harder. Agreed. 100%. All so, right. Last myth. You need, you need to, to detox, detox your, your body. body. Yeah. No. Uh, no. No. You got a liver and a kidney that do all that. Two yeah. kidneys, actually. The, uh, wow. Well, most people have two kidneys. Yeah. So. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I don't even know, man. I, I'm, I, I just feel like this should have been left in like the early two thousands. I'm surprised that 2023 we're still de still dealing with like juice cleanses, but I guess the charlatans out there will sell whatever snake oil they can in order to make their buck. I think it's because people don't feel good. Like just overall, they don't feel good. And so they think like, Oh, this is so much easier than changing up my diet. Like yeah. here's, here's a hot tip. Like if you don't feel, I mean, okay. Let me actually add a little disclaimer. Like if you're sick or you have a disease or something's going on, like go to the doctor. I'm not saying yeah. you don't feel well, just like this is going to solve your problem. <laughs> yeah, eat, like, drink some kombucha. <laughs> yeah, but like if you don't feel really well or you have bad digestion or like all of these things, like 
check on your sleep, check your check fiber. on your fiber intake. Yep, yep. Do, yeah. Sleep, fiber, and like be active. And that will probably solve a lot of your problems Nine, that you're feeling and having. 98%. Yeah, 98%. Yeah. So it's just like if you, and when I say fiber, honestly, I wanted to say fruits and veggies, but I was saying that specifically like your fiber, like if you prioritize like whole nutritious foods to make sure you're getting, and again, I'm still down for the cookie. I'm not saying you can't have processed foods. I want you to have some processed oh, foods yeah. so you have, you have, you stay sane for the rest of your life. But like prioritize nutrients, prioritize sleep, prioritize a water intake, and you're good. And your body does all of that processing and detoxing for you, and you'll feel an um, crazy better just from prioritizing that kind of stuff. I want to add one more myth really yeah, quick. Proce- all processed foods are bad. Oh yeah. Oh man. Huge myth. I mean, we're talking processing like a can of corn that's technically processed meat that you buy at the grocery store. That's processed. Unless you You know by definition, the organic vegetables that you buy are processed because they were had to be picked and washed and transferred and all that. That's process. Now the key word is highly processed then if we're going to go down that road. So it's like, but even that all highly processed food is terrible for you. And that's still still not not true. true. I would say, I would argue that highly processed food. Okay. The, the, the few maybe downsides to it are very case dependent. So let me riddle you, riddle you this, you know, are highly processed foods like ice cream, cakes, cookies, pizza, are these things less nutrient dense than like tomatoes and 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 veggies and fruits and you know whatever like yeah they are less nutrient dense but that doesn't mean that they are like wasted food it doesn't mean that they are empty calories like yeah and especially my aunt had cancer and my my mom very nice woman love my mom but she was like it's it's terrible they're feeding her ice cream it's like, dude, my aunt's going through fucking chemotherapy. Ice cream's yeah. the only thing that she can eat. God forbid she eats yeah. zero calories and just wastes away and fucking dies. Like, right. no. And so I get really worked up when people are like, yeah. I've seen, oh my God, I think it was Flav City or one of those, one of those charlatans that was yeah. like, oh, they're feeding, you know, this children's hospital is feeding uh, ice cream and cookies and chips and in their cafeteria, it's filled with pizza. Yeah. It's like, okay, these kids have cancer. Some of them, let's not even talk about the terminal cancer that like just give them whatever food they want, but let's talk about the ones that have the potential of being cured. Like, why would we not be trying to get any energy into them? Anything. If they can't stomach broccoli and veggie, you know, whatever. It's like if they, if all they can eat is chips, then eat the fucking chips like i'm so sick of these people who have no goddamn clue about nutrition talking about what's best and oh processed foods are bad like read a goddamn book read a fucking book like i'm sorry i'm getting really worked up about this but like the whole the whole cancer thing with my aunt that that just like really really pissed me off when people who have no clue about nutrition like okay what is she gonna do starve yeah we're just gonna starve her then like come on now yeah no, but you, the, the, a good point that I bring up to clients that you brought up is like, just because you're eating something that's highly processed doesn't mean there's not no nutritional value to it. Like yes. when you're eating ice cream, you're getting calcium, you're getting fats, you're getting sugar. That's energy for carbohydrates, you, calories, for, yes. carbohydrates. Yeah. You're getting as high as a tomato or piece of broccoli, vitamins and minerals. Not, no, not as much. Not much but fiber in it, but yeah. That's why when you flip on the back of the box, it says nutrition label because there's nutrition to mm-hmm, it. Mm-hmm. Now, again, if you were always eating ice cream and never had anything else, yeah, your body would be 
deplenished of some of the nutrients it needed to survive. And you would then potentially, I don't know, maybe, I don't know if ice cream is the best one, but maybe die because you are, maybe not die, maybe something would happen. Not feel so good. Yeah, not feel so good, whatever. Something would be in the negative. But we have to stop thinking that because I have a cookie every single night or a, a, a cup of ice cream, that that cup of ice cream is like alcohol and it's poisonous and it's actually harming us. Ice cream's not a carcinogen. It's not causing your cancer. It's mm. not it's not causing you to be sick. Yep. If you have a whole like the holistic ofness, you you know, manage your stress levels, you get sleep, you prioritize fruits and veggies, and you also have ice cream, that ice cream is having no detrimental effect on your health at all. Yep. It's not like you ingest and your body's like, oh man, here comes the thing that's gonna kill us. Make sure we process this through again and, and so we don't die. It's like, no, it's like mm, some calcium, mm, some calories, and then that's that. that's that that's that that's all that's happening yeah all I, that's happening the, the the other thing about you know yes it's less nutrient dense and and it's also less satiating so typically you eat more sure. of it and you overconsume, and that puts you in a calorie surplus which for a lot of people yeah. i mean look around a lot of people have been in a calorie surplus for a whole lot of time and they struggle yeah. with it because they haven't been pro- prioritizing these whole foods which are very satiating which are yes. very nutrient dense so they feel worse but if i were personally of my current nutrition training and education, if I were to compare somebody's diet who was eating all highly processed foods, but they were in calorie balance and they were a healthy weight versus somebody who was eating a lot of whole foods, but, and this would be very hard to do eating all whole foods, yeah. but if they were a yeah. hundred pounds overweight and I'm saying who's going to live longer, I have, I have a strong hunch that the person who is in a calorie balance and a healthy weight will live longer. I have yeah. a pretty strong yeah. hunch. Yeah. I think I calorie think we'll balance to dive needs into to be number who's, one. Who's active as well. Yes. Like we're not counting so activity into so that true. too. Yes. Um, I think that's a big portion, but I, I hear what you're saying and the point that you're that you're making with that. Yeah. So. It's a strong hunch, obviously not like backed by anything, but that's- We just have to remember that being overweight is a huge catalyst into so many health issues. And so- Heart disease, That's why cancer, we make that argument that like, we could probably bet that- that they would end up being the healthier person once at a normal weight, but not prioritizing the the whole nutrient dense foods. No, I'm I'm on vice versa. Which one did you say? I'm saying the person who is at a healthy weight is going to be better off, despite eating. That's what I'm saying. Oh, that's okay. what, I'm sorry. That's okay. what I was trying to say. Yep. I may, may came out opposite, but Just that's what I was trying sure to we're say. On the same yeah. Page, yeah, yeah. Um, there was something else I was going to go into, but uh, the other caveat that I want to add to what you were saying about um, satiation, which I had with a discussion with a client this morning, is she was talking about like you know on her period week, um, or actually it wasn't even her period week. It it just ended up this way. She does a lot of surgeries, mm. and so on her surgery week, she has them once a month. She's working long hours, yeah. and at the end of every single day, she really is craving something sugary. And I'm like, that's there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. I was like, that's fine that you're having that craving. And I was like, first of all, it might be ph- physiological. It might be because you've had a really long day. Your body wants some quick digestion carbs, mm-hmm. and so that's fine. And so it's like there's two parts of satiation. There's being full, and there's also having a craving and satisfying that craving. So I was like, right now you're in a deficit. There are some trade-offs that I'm having to make. So maybe at the end of the day, when you get done with your surgeries you really, really want that cupcake. She kept talking about the cupcakes that they had. Maybe the trade-off is worth it that you're a little bit, not not, not quite full, but man, at least you got to have that cupcake that you've been thinking about all day. Yep. And so we have to remember there's also two parts of satiation of like be, making sure you're full, which is a huge part of it. And then also like making sure that you're not 
pushing these cravings away and saying, you know, fruit is nature's candy. And then you're just thinking about the Snickers the whole day because you're, you crushed 800 calories of strawberries, which is hard to do, but I have definitely done because for the longest time I was like, I can't have the Snickers. So I need an apple and another apple and strawberries and pineapple. And I'd have 800 calories worth of fruit in my system, but I was still thinking about that cookie until I finally was just like, look, let me have the cookie and move on with my life biggest game changer, just allowing myself to have those things. It's almost a physiological satiation versus like mental satiation. You know, sometimes you just scratch that itch of like- It's a mental satiation, 100%. So. Uh, Do we want to wrap it up there? Yep, we'll wrap it up there. Let me just say that, um, sorry for my impassion. I mean, I think a lot of our viewers like when when you and I get really passionate and start dropping the F-bombs and like- I mean, yeah, I mean, I think you should be your, you know, authentic self. And if you're passionate about that, be passionate about it. So facts, but um, yeah, this was a fun one. Yep. Um, If you guys have any takeaways from this episode, please make sure to shoot us a DM. If you're on Apple, I don't think you can give us five stars on Spotify, but if you're on Apple, make sure to give us five star review. You can can on Spotify. Yep. Five stars. Yep. I've not figured out how to do it because I will drop us a five star review. Um, I'll figure that after. Anyway. Um, And then, oh yeah, as always, if you want to screenshot this episode, post it to your stories. That's a free way to support us and get the word out on the podcast. Um, And it's always super, super appreciated. But we always, I love, people have been DMing me recently when they have takeaways from the episodes and I just love it. Same. Love it, love it, love it. Yeah. My Oreo and my bidet rants. The the, the Oreo and bidet rants have been getting people laughing lately. Yeah. And I think it helps us to figure out like what you guys enjoy and what your takeaways are. And so we're like, oh, that was a big takeaway. We should do a podcast on this. For sure. So it's very helpful when you guys message us with your takeaways or just like, you know, I don't know, just whatever you want to message us about, about the podcast. So cool. Awesome. Well, we will catch you guys on next week's episode. All right. Bye. Take care guys.